the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Jew or Gentile, no matter your flavor, God has promised to never leave you nor forsake you. That is the truth we're exploring here today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Join us. It is a truth that is designed not as a license to sin, but rather as a delight to obey. Our God will never leave us nor forsake us. And that is a truth you can take to the bank, a truth we're exploring today here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Welcome to the program from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose and online at reformedheritage.org. We turn back to Romans chapter 11 once again, verses 1 through 6. God never forsakes his people. For more on this amazing truth and encouraging comfort, here's Pastor Gary. Inward faith, where God has planted the root of faith in our lives. Remember, that root is ultimately in Christ. So inward faith shows itself in outward faithfulness without objection. It always does. But we have totally bought the lie of secularism and pluralism in our day that says, we don't know what's really in here. But God says, yes, you do, though not perfectly, because I'm the only one who truly searches the heart. But the inward true renewal that God does in us shows itself in outward faithfulness to him, especially refusing to participate in the sins of this age. So let's take another example. Ostensibly, Christian leaders have said, in order to secure our own legal existence, We've got to support things like sodomite marriage. Now, you may say I'm personally against it or I'm personally against abortion. But yet, we've got to publicly recognize it as legally right. Because if we're not tolerant, then the world may not in turn be tolerant toward us. Right? But again... This is the way worldlings think, not servants of the living God, because we worship the Lord and we believe his truth. We have faith in him and a confidence that he will preserve us. And even more, zeal for his honor will make us refuse to bow to the bells of our own day. Sodomite marriage is a bell. Evolution is a bell. All of these things by which man attempts to crowd his environment, to push God out, is Baal worship. And God has promised to preserve his people in those times. And if we want to be in that remnant, we must give ourselves completely into his hands. Refuse to participate in the evil and trust in him alone. For he will 
take care of us. If we suffer a little bit, then we we will be crowned with our Savior. Now, Paul makes makes it clear in verse 5 that this remnant is according to the election of grace. We are very weak and fearful, and I admit this is a very strong meat kind of lesson here, especially given the pressure that's put upon us in the church today to compromise and to go along to be tolerant. Some people think we've got to go along with these lesser evils that don't directly impact us. But notice here, God says, I made my people strong by my grace. The remnant does not endure because it learns how to compromise and manipulate and to slither its way through life. But it survives through faithfulness to God in his word, even unto death. So Paul writes, in his own day, there is another remnant much more numerous than in Elijah's day. Elijah's day. There were many Jewish believers, and Paul was one of them. But there were many, many thousands. And the reason he brings this up is to show us that God has not forsaken his people whom he has forsaken, his people whom he has foreknown. Even within the apostate bulk of Israel, God has an enormous amount of people that he has chosen for himself and that he is saving by his grace. And he would not let them be overcome, Paul says, by the unbelief and the murderous persecution of his own countrymen. And therefore, again, God has not cast away his people. His people are the apple of his eye, beloved. He will take care of them, us. Oh, we may be in the, major- the minority. We may fear for our existence. And remember what Paul said. The floods of ungodly men make me afraid. And you may feel like that today. There have been times when I have felt like that. There are so many. The attacks are so numerous. There are so many different fronts. We are certain to be overwhelmed. But please remember, the almighty God is the only majority that we need. He is the majority of one. And he holds us securely in his hands. And he will not let one touch us apart from his will. He will guide us on our course. And he will bring us finally to his eternal kingdom. Please turn with me, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. <clears throat> Paul makes this connection between the remnant and faithfulness and God's foreknowledge. There was one verse in the Bible where he unites all of these things together in one place, and that is 2 Timothy 2.19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. Okay, there's our first point for knowledge. Here is our foundation for survival in difficult times. We are God's people. He has known us in eternity. And no one can pluck us out of his hand. 
And we may suffer a little bit, as I said earlier, but that is just temporary. God will always secure us. But notice the second part of the verse. That is, it's, this is oftentimes not read. And since the Lord knows those who are his, and since his will be faithful to him, let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Notice God doesn't say, well, I foreknew you, so you're safe. You can live like you please. That's not what some of the Corinthians thought for. That is something that the Corinthians thought for a while. Hey, you know, to go along in this culture, I've got to make business contacts. Everyone seals the deal at the idol's temple with a little bit of libation. It's okay. I've got to go to the gentleman's club. Everyone goes there when they come to the Bay Area. That's where the deals are made. I've got to go there. I've got to participate a little bit. I'm not really going there because I'm doing what everyone else does, but I've got to be successful. Then we see how weak we are. And this weakness has been true from the very beginning. So the Lord reminds us here, listen, you are secure in me. I know those who are mine. If you are going to name the name of Christ, flee from all evil. Don't compromise with it. Not even a little bit. Where do you as an individual, you as a father, husband, me, where do we go as a congregation? On the one hand, we have election, foreknowledge, predestination, and we, and yet where do we need to depart? We need to depart from iniquity because election in, e in eternity and fruitfulness in history go hand in hand. And the bridge, if we go back to Romans 11.5, Paul tells us what that bridge is between election in eternity and faithfulness in history on the part of God's people. He says, it is according to the election of grace. You see, this is the highest reason of all why God has not and cannot forsake his people. On the one hand, he has chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world. So the only way we can be lost is for God to change his mind or for his decrees not to come to pass. But God's decrees must come to pass or he'll be toppled from his throne. And therefore it is unthinkable that God could lose us. But on the other hand, notice, it is through grace. It is through God's kindness to us. It's not based on bloodline, personal goodness, or our own works. It is grace. God has chosen us and saved us from the wrath to come because of his undeserved grace to us. Do we need strength to be faithful and to depart from iniquity? Where do we get that strength? From God's kindness to us, his love for us. We must seek it from him because he has determined to show us mercy and he will never forsake us. He said through Paul, that he who began a good work in you will keep on performing it. You hear that? 
will keep on performing it until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, one more word about the remnant. It is tempting for any remnant, and we need to be very careful, very hesitant in defining myself, yourself, as part of the remnant. We learn with Elijah that as wise and as godly as he was, he misread this. Did he not? He thought the church was far weaker than it was. And we've got to always be careful to recognize our judgment of how the church is really doing. How's God people really doing? That's a very, it's, that is very different sometimes from the reality. Where Christ is, his church is always doing very well. Because he is exalted and extolled and very high. And so must we be in him. But having said this, it is true that God's people do, as Paul mentions twice here, once in Elijah's day and once in his day, do find themselves to be a remnant. We must be very careful if that is true and we'll leave that judgment to God that we do not think of ourselves in the least of being superior to the majority because you are part of the remnant. No form of elitism must ever take root in us. No ethnic elitism, intellectual elitism, no cultural nationalistic elitism. Please remember this. God did not show grace to you because you were good. God showed grace to you to make you good. God did not show you grace because you were good. God showed grace to make you a bad man good, to to make you a bad woman good. Again, God does not show favor and grace to good men. Why? Because none exist. There is none who are righteous. No, not one. God shows grace to bad men to make them good. So there's no place for anything in the remnant except the deepest humility and gratitude. We are no better than the mass of fallen humanity. And sometimes, or even worse, it was God's grace that turned us from rebels into his friends and servants. And we are going to need humility, particularly in evil times, especially in times like now. When we see what is happening That in public, anything that even smacks of rebellion, like if anyone says, under God, in the Pledge of Allegiance, it's like the waters, the fires of hell are all burning and boiling at the same time. We've got to snuff that out. Under God, beloved, what God? Give me a break. You can fill in the blank with what you mean to be your God. But we don't want to hear it. Because... We don't want any reminders that we are not God ourselves. And it's very easy in those times to tremble and to shake and to be hardened. Those idiots. I'm far smarter. Let me debate the president. Let me go and debate the Supreme Court. Let me go and debate the atheists of our time. We think we're so smart. But we need to remember we would be like them, worse than them, as bad as they are. If not for God's grace. And if we are going to be used of God. To glorify his name. 
We must be, be witness to the truth which is of grace. It's not smartness. It's not superiority. It's not, well, my family. Oh, look at my family. We have a husband and a wife here. And only one quarter of the population has that. And you're killing your unborn children. And we're raising our children to be strong, godly arrows, which is a very good thing to do. But that's not our message. Look at us. Look at the good we're doing. Really? Because without Christ, we would be killing our own babies too. We would be sodomizing too. Or at least be open to the ideas, as many people are, if it were not for God's grace restraining, changing, crushing the power of sin through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. How are we going to love our enemies if we think we are smarter, wiser, stronger than they are? How are we going to do that? The message must be one of humility. Because it's not the Lord's will for his church to remain a remnant forever. The church in terms of the world population today is still a remnant. But it is much larger remnant than it was 2,000 years ago. And it is getting bigger every day. Because it is God's will to fill the earth with disciples of Christ. And how will this be done? Through humility. Love, doing good to our enemies, praying for those who despitefully use us, being very careful that we are not guilty of ethnic jokes and cultural supremacy and American exceptionalism and all the garbage that oozes from our selfish, proud hearts. Do you know who God uses to bring into his kingdom and increase the remnant of his church? It is those who only boast in the cross of Jesus Christ and those who say, I was a great sinner, but Jesus Christ is a greater Savior. Let me share with you the wondrous things that God has done for my soul, my friend. That's what Jesus told the man out of whom he threw all those demons. He said, go home and tell everyone what God has done to show compassion upon you, a filthy sinner. Now, this comes out very clear in the last verse we'll look at today. Verse 6. This is so clear that even a child can understand it. That we have nothing of which to boast. That the remnant must never be cocky or think that it is anything other than saved by God's grace. He says because our choice is very simple. It is either grace or works. And you can never combine the two. In terms of being right and having God's favor, you can either be saved by his kindness to an undeserving sinner, or you can try to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Do, do some work. You know, sell some flowers on the street corner. Go on some missionary trip. Try to do something to earn your place. This is why Roman Catholicism fails the gospel test, because its system of penance a hodgepodge of grace and works that not only is the gospel of grace trampled in the dust, but men's consciences are left in the most abject terror of judgment, at least for those who even think. The Jews chose works, and you've seen what's happened to them. They completely missed the righteousness that God requires. No, God's true people rely upon one thing, grace 
God's undeserved kindness for sinners. Parents, you want to raise humble children? Now, don't use grace as a slogan or as a mantra. Because the way that is used in the church today, grace simply means don't hold me accountable to any standard. Don't tell me I can't say, oh my God. Don't tell me I can't go here and I can't go there. Because grace means I'm free to live as I please. That has nothing in common with the grace of Scripture. The grace of Scripture is God saves sinners, wretches like us. God shows kindness to filthy sinners. Now, if that is not your testimony, you are not a Christian today. You are not one of His people, and neither am I. If that is not my testimony. So let me encourage you to take seriously here. That our only hope. Because the holiest men always fall short of the righteousness that God requires. So our only hope. Is that God will graciously give us what he requires. We can't produce it. Perfect obedience and holiness before him. He sent his son into the world to obey where we disobeyed. He sent his son into the world to suffer on the cross, not sentimentally, but to bear the judgment of a God against wicked sinners. So when we look to the Lord as our only Savior and our only righteousness, just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man has been lifted up, that whoever believes in him shall never be condemned. That is where righteousness is. That is where grace is to be found. That is the fountain from which we must draw. And that is also our security in this life. And why God will not cast away his people. Because Jesus Christ died for them. And he secures us by his intercession. So let me encourage you this week. Cling to the Savior. Don't let a day go by. Don't let an hour go by. And pray that I won't either. Where we do not at least say, Lord Jesus, please keep preserving me. Please keep saving me. Please keep being faithful to me and us to you. Cling to him. Don't rely on yourself. He will deliver us from evil. He will preserve us from the evil of our times. And he will use us. In his own time to build his remnant into a vast throng from every tribe, tongue, and nation. You ask, why does he have that confidence? Because he is the king. Because no matter what we see, there's only one power in this universe today. And that is the power of the risen son of God. Reigning. You hear that? Reigning. At the right hand of his father. And he will reign there until all of his enemies are reduced to be a footstool for his feet. And every knee bows to him and every tongue confesses. So get on the team, brothers and sisters. And there is only one team in history that's going to win. And that is those who bear the banner of Jesus Christ and cling to his gospel. And teach their children about Jesus and the grace of God. And who speaks to others. Everything else is destined To be in history, an archaeological dig, and an eternity fuel for hell. Oh, walk by faith 
not by sight. The King reigns, and He has shown grace to us. So let us worship Him with grateful hearts daily. Amen. And that'll bring us to the end of our time today here on Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Thank you for joining us today. It's our hope and prayer that we've been able to encourage you in Christ and stimulate your walk in him. To address questions, comments, prayer requests, or concerns, please call or write to us. We'd love to talk with you. 408-866-5607 is our phone number, 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. You're also welcome to visit our website. Drop us an email when you do, reformedheritage.org. Real simple, reformedheritage.org. A lot of information there about who we are. We would invite you again to stop by, reformedheritage.org. Or if you're writing to us, the address is PMB, post mailbox, 402, and the address is 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032. That address can be found on our website, reformedheritage.org, or again, simply call 408-866-5607. Copies of today's program are just $5. Mention today's date, and we'll get a CD out to you. And please remember that we are listener-supported which means when you link arms with us financially, we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. It's a great way to study God's Word together, isn't it? And we'd love to continue to do so. Would you prayerfully consider how God might be leading you to partner with us? We'd love to hear from you. Again, won't you call 408-866-5607 or reformedheritage.org. Sunday services, by the way, if you'd like to join us, are 2 in the afternoon. We're located at Lone Hill Church, 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org. Again, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. Further information can be found again at reformedheritage.org or by calling 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.